The following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. And tonight we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we will be talking nothing but sports for the next three hours. I am your host, Steve Kent, and I am joined alongside me, uh, as always, uh, Lou uh, is, uh, is on the line as well. Uh, for those of you that uh, want to call in and talk some sports with us, you can call in at 657-383-1308. We have a lot on the, on the plate today. We have the Conor McGregor yes. fight to talk about. We got the NHL. We got the NHL trade flurry that seemed to happen earlier today, just before the uh, the roster freeze that took place at 3 p.m. Uh, we have, of course, game. I think it's game five of the NBA Finals, right? I think. Yes. That's what I thought. I wasn't sure if it was five or six. Uh, but I, what I do know is Milwaukee. Milwaukee has come uh, has come back in the series to tie the game, uh, tie the series up at two apiece. So uh, it's a best of three now. Uh, we also have uh, the MLB draft to talk about, which uh, let's just say that very first pick really shook up the rest of the draft. Well, except for number two, I'm still pissed off about number two, but uh, that's. Uh-huh. That's hearsay. Uh, and we have so much more to talk about as well tonight. So, once again, if you want to call in, the number is 657-383-1308. Uh, we also have, you know, we have uh, the rivalry currently going on right now. Uh, Red Sox and Yankees playing uh, with a one to nothing Red Sox lead currently. Uh, I believe we are headed back to the top. I think top of the what are they at now? The fourth. Mm. I think so. Let me check. Yeah, yeah, they just entered the third, so we're in, we're entering the top of the fourth now. Uh, yeah, you know what? But why don't we get started with the Conor McGregor fight? Uh, I'm sure you probably, uh, if you didn't watch it, Lou, you probably heard about. Uh, yes. What exactly happened. Uh, it wasn't really that much of a fight, we could say, because nope. uh, Conor McGregor ended up breaking his. Well, I don't know if you could classify it as a leg break or a, or an ankle break, but he broke he broke the lower portion. He broke something. Yeah, he broke something. He broke the lower portion of his leg. I don't know exactly if you could classify it as a leg or if you can classify it as the ankle because it was so close. Mm. But uh, he ended up breaking it right at the end of the first round against Dustin Poirier when he threw a kick. Poirier. The uh, and when it was it was sort of similar to the to the Chris Weidman injury where after he threw the kick, he went to take a step back. And the next thing you know, his ankle completely buckled. And at first 
you know, when I first saw it, I didn't think it was a break. At first I thought it was, you know, maybe he rolled his ankle or something. And then I, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you look at the replay and you see just the little, the little fold to where there's, there's enough space for a bit of a shadow, a, a little bit of a black shadow. And you can see where the ankle, where the legs basically bent and, it was – I wouldn't say it's one of the nastiest injuries I've seen, but uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a good sight nonetheless. Yes. Well, because, I mean, I've, I've seen worse. You know, I've seen – uh, I've seen I've seen it happen oh. when MMA athletes when MMA stars have, oh, yeah. have had one of their one of their leg kicks checked and then you can literally see the leg wrap around their opponent's leg when it breaks like on the replay you can literally see when it breaks on the Conor McGregor replay you couldn't really tell where when exactly it happened until he ended up stepping back uh now apparently mcgregor explained this uh a couple of days ago saying that he actually suffered stress fractures in his foot or in his leg technically uh he suffered he suffered stress fractures in his uh in his leg leading up to the fight and he provided pictures as proof because uh, Dana White supposedly knew about it. Uh, they almost were going to cancel the fight, apparently. Uh, but yeah. in doing so, you know, it would definitely it, it would it would definitely make them lose a lot of money uh, compared to if they were yeah. actually if they actually would have gone on with the fight, with which they did. So, I mean, in that in in that case, you know, if 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 you're already suffering from from stress fractures, it's it's no wonder that his that his leg caved in. Now the question is, did he actually fracture the leg earlier in the fight, or or was it at the very end? Because mm. they showed a replay where. He ends up he ends up having one of his leg kicks checked, and there, you can't really tell whether or not it's whether or not uh, it breaks then, or whether or not it, it, it gets it gets even more fractured, because there's no noticeable, you know, no noticeable pain or grimace whatever from uh, from McGregor. Uh, I did find it kind of odd though that McGregor immediately took. Uh, immediately tried to apply the guillotine choke on Poirier, sure. which if he almost honestly he almost had that fight if if he hadn't allowed Poirier to gain some leverage by trying to flip by trying to flip over McGregor uh, up against the fence, it's entirely possible that if if McGregor was able to get to this is the big this is the major problem too because usually when fighters try to sink in chokes like that they usually hook their legs and McGregor wasn't hooking his legs maybe that's because he's not used to submissions or 
it's an entire possibility that maybe perhaps it's because his leg was, you know, his leg was already jacked up to begin with. And that putting more pressure, you know, if he ended up not, uh, not submitting Poirier at that moment, put more pressure on that leg and maybe perhaps, you know, the leg would have broken before he even, before they even got back up. Uh, so what, I want to get your thoughts on this, Lou, because it, you know, it seems very uncharacteristic of McGregor because he's never been a ground fighter. He's always been no. a guy that's always wanted to keep the fight standing. Do you think that he, that he probably fractured his leg with the earlier leg kick? Or do you think I think the he fracture might have. did come when, or do you think the fracture did come when when everybody else saw it, which was the end of the first round? No, I think it came earlier. But that's what I that's what I was kind of thinking too, because even though even though McGregor didn't really show it, you know, there was no visible pain and whatnot. Uh, it, like I said, it it was very uncharacteristic of him to go for the takedown or not takedown to go for the guillotine like he did because usually like I said he's a stand up type fighter and I mean I I've 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 heard different different opinions uh some were saying that that he was getting his ass kicked anyways uh some were saying you know that uh McGregor was actually holding his own uh, while while staying up on his feet. To me, I thought McGregor actually looked sharp for coming off of uh, coming off of a knockout loss like he did. You yeah. know, it, it, he did look sharp, and it, it, you know, it, it just kind of it kind of makes me wonder what the fight could have possibly been if. He never, if if uh, the leg injury didn't didn't occur. Um, but now you know he's he's got a uh, he's got a leg uh, a broken leg. Apparently, the time frame from what it sounds like, uh, they're throwing they're throwing different different things out there, different uh, time frames. I've heard six months. I've heard six weeks. Uh, there's yeah. just a whole, I mean, it's, it's different considering the fact that, you know, usually, usually if you're, if you're an athlete and you suffer, uh, for, my understanding was it was a closed fracture that, mm. which means it didn't break the skin. So maybe, per, and, and plus apparently he's already, been released from the hospital. Um, you know he's going to be 33 on Wednesday, and from all from all uh, all indications, well, McGregor actually did say himself uh, he'll be on on a crutch for six weeks. Uh, but they're already ta- they're talking about potentially having a fourth fight between the two of them because of the fact that. This fight wasn't really decisive, and quite frankly, I mean, McGregor, uh, while he was, you know, this is the one thing I don't 
I, I, I really don't get about Joe Rogan. He talks about never wanting to interview fighters whenever they've either been knocked yeah. out or they've suffered or they've suffered some sort of gruesome injury because they're never in the right mindset and you know you wouldn't want to put them on the spot. But then he goes and immediately interviews Conor Mc, or he tries to interview Conor McGregor uh, after he broke his leg, which. Then McGregor started throwing out insults at uh, at Dustin Poirier and basically insinuating that uh, Poirier's wife had been uh, flirting with him apparently in his DMs and stuff like that. So it, it, they're basically building up the the fourth fight already just with uh, just with the insults that were thrown out by both. Poirier and McGregor in their post-fight interviews. Uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts, Lou? You know, even though people said that there were some people that said that Poirier was winning the fight anyways, even though it only lasted one round, does an injury require a fourth fight because of the fact that no, technically say it wasn't really decisive? No, I I still think he, I think you gotta give up. You know, he's never gonna be the fighter he once was, no matter how many times you fight. I mean, I don't think he's you know, I don't think you say retire. But he's not, McGregor's not gonna be the fighter that he, that he was you know in his younger years. So you had to factor in that. Yeah, and not not just that, but you also have to take into account as well that. You take a look at some of the fighters who have suffered devastating injuries in the past. You know, Anderson Silva, when he broke mm-hmm. his leg against uh, against Chris Weidman, he was never the same after that. Uh, you know, you kind of you kind of have to you you have to look at McGregor. You see, he's already on the downside. He's he's lost back to back fights against Poirier. Although technically, I guess you know you could say that this one was because of a doctor stoppage and you don't know what would have happened had the fight continued and he didn't break his leg. So mm-hmm. there's always that that you can go back to. And keep in mind this technically was only McGregor's second loss. You can't even call this a knockout loss, but it's a technical knockout because he wasn't able to continue. Uh right. This is technically his only his second knockout loss. The la- the first time he was ever knocked out was back in January, in his whole career. So even though he's turning thirty three, I mean you can kind of argue is, it's pretty old. Yeah, it, it is pretty old, but also you can kind of argue that he hasn't really taken nearly the amount of damage as some other fighters his age probably would have at this point in their career. Give me that. Because of the fact that he, that most of his wins were always so decisive that, you know, he, he never really got roughed up for the most part. The only times he really got roughed up were, during his losses, like his loss against Nate Diaz, where he got submitted, uh, the loss against Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, and plus, you know, the 
the the the first loss that he got knocked out by uh, by Dustin Poirier, the mm-hmm. first time ever in his career. So, you know, he's there. There are some fighters who are, you know, who who, who even in their even entering their uh, mid thirties are still durable enough. I think the big question yeah, will be mid thirties, yeah, mid to late thirties, uh, early to mid thirties. Yes, when you get like late thirties, uh, that's a sign right there. That's when it starts to take its toll, especially with boxes in the past. Yeah, I think the, I think the big question will be. I mean, yeah, they talk about a potential fourth fight, but I mean, Poirier is probably going to want to challenge for the Father. title at this point. So. He's probably going to want to challenge for the title. Uh, he'll probably get uh, a title match, and that's going to leave McGregor with two options. I mean, okay, you know, you can you can wait until Poirier uh, ends up getting his title match, and honestly, if Poirier ends up winning the welterweight title or Wait a minute. No, I think they were at lightweight. So, so if he ends up winning the lightweight title, it wouldn't make sense for the fourth fight between the two to be a title fight because McGregor. I mean, yeah, he knocked out Donald Cerrone, but he suffered back-to-back losses to Poirier. So, if there is a fourth fight, it wouldn't make sense if it was for the title. With that being said, no, I think, I think. Uh, before you make, before you, before you decide to make that fourth fight, I would give McGregor one fight to see how to see where he is, because like I said, you know, most fighters when they suffer a leg injury, like uh, you know, regardless of the severity of it, usually a lot of those fighters are never the same ever again. In uh, in their next uh, their next fights of their careers until they end up retiring. Um, I mean, like Anderson Silva, you know, he was never as explosive as he used to be before uh, he ended up suffering that that uh, gruesome leg in, that gruesome uh, leg break that that he had against Chris Weidman. So, and Chris Weidman actually, he you know suffered the same like break in his last fight too. So it's 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 likely that Weidman will never be the same fighter ever again. No. I think with McGregor, I think with McGregor in order to sort of maximize the amount of money that they could potentially make off of off of a potential fourth fight, I would put McGregor back out there if he wins okay, then you can make the fourth fight. But if he loses, then you really have to start talking about, okay, is, is, it, is it time for, even though McGregor would be in his mid-30s, is it time for him to, to talk about potentially hanging it up if he ends up losing again? Because that will be three straight losses in the UFC. I mean, usually if you're if you're a fighter in the UFC and you suffer three straight losses, depending on if you're a big name or not, if you're not a big name, you're more you're most of the time you're yeah. cut after a third loss. But 
in McGregor's case, I mean, it would be different because he's a moneymaker for them. He, uh, you know, he has that history of, uh, of being one of the, uh, one of the two division champions at the same time, uh, ever in the UFC. So, you know, there's definitely, if he were to suffer a third straight loss, you know, there would at least be a little bit of protection for him from potentially being cut. But at the same time, I think the fight, uh, his next fight coming back will pretty much determine where he is if, uh, as a fighter, you know, with uh, in, in terms of recovering from the leg injury. If he's going to be the next Anderson Silva post leg break, that is. Well, or I don't care to if, wait here. Well, no. What I'm saying is, you know, is he going to be the next Anderson Silva post leg break? Meaning that, you know, he was uh, never the same fighter ever again that he once was. Okay, okay, I get it. Or, or will Connor, you know, be able to get back to where he was before he ended up breaking his leg? So that's going to be the main thing to to really watch for uh, his road to recovery here. Uh, some other fights on that card. Uh, we did see Gilbert Burns defeat uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson by unanimous decision. Uh, Greg Hardy got knocked out uh, in just one minute, seven seconds of the first round uh, by Tai Tuivasa. That was probably Greg Hardy's last fight in the UFC. Uh, Dana White was non-committal when it came to potentially uh, re-signing him. So the former uh, the former Dallas Cowboy looks like he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to find somewhere else to fight. Uh, it looks like as after eight fights in the UFC with a four and four record, I believe. Uh, Four Actually, four. no, it's not, no, never mind. Not terrible. Never not great, but not terrible. Actually, never mind. I thought I thought it was four and four. It's actually seven and four. It's seven, four, and one with Even uh, one being a no contest. Uh, the one was a no contest that was originally a win for him, but it was overturned after he illegally used an inhaler in between rounds which obviously is cheating because, you know, fighters aren't allowed to use inhalers or anything to to help them regain their breath, basically, uh, in between rounds. Uh, But he's been fighting in the UFC since 2018 when he appeared on Dana White's Contender Series and technically, he's only had in his career one fight outside of the UFC, and that was his third fight where he knocked out Rasheem Jones. Other than that, he has technically you could say he's six four six and four with one no contest inside the UFC. So, but the the big thing going against him is he suffered he's suffering back to back losses and. This loss was probably one of the worst ones because he made a rookie mistake. So, you know, it's entirely it's entirely possible 
that this could be probably the this could be possibly the end of the line for Greg Hardy uh, in the UFC. Uh, we also had uh, Irene Aldana defeat Yana Kunitskaya by knockout uh, at a ca- in a catchweight bout, 139 and a half pounds. And Sean O'Malley de- defeated uh, Chris Mutino by no- technical knockout via punches. And probably the one other fight, uh, Carlos Condit. Man, oh man, he just cannot get back to where he to where he once was. Suffered a unanimous decision loss to Max Griffin, as as he was basically the main event of the ESPN preliminary bouts. Uh, yeah, Condit. He, he, you know, he used to be a, a welterweight title contender, and actually, he is a former welterweight champion. He uh, he won the interim welterweight title off uh, against Nick Diaz, who, by the way, is returning to the UFC officially um, following the if, – if anybody doesn't remember, Nick Diaz, well, first off, he's an avid uh, marijuana, marijuana user, and mm. uh, he was suspended back in 2015 for five years, and he was fined $165,000 after failing a drug test of course. for marijuana metabolites back at UFC 183. And he actually hasn't fought since 2015. However, he is expected to return uh, on September 25th at UFC 266 in a rematch against Robbie Lawler, who, if I recall correctly, well, let me check. That must have been that must have been way back. Yeah, that was all the right. way back at UFC 47 when he knocked out Robbie Lawler uh, in the second round. So that wow, that was that was back in the way early years of the UFC. Back uh, back before they actually got popular. Uh, so, anyways, Nick Diaz, he'll be returning uh, at some point. The uh, bonuses of the night, which, as I mentioned last week, the uh, fight bonuses were raised up to $75,000, uh, specifically for UFC 264. Fight of the night went to Sean O'Malley and Chris Mutino, so both of them get the $75,000 bonus. Uh, performance of the night went to Tai Tuivasa and Derikis Duplices uh, for both of their knockouts. So we had four fighters taking home $75,000 for their fights. All right. Let's get to the NHL because we had obviously a flurry of trade activity take place earlier today, and this already actually all started. Yeah, but this actually all started earlier this week when Duncan Keith, the longtime Chicago Blackhawk, was shipped out of town to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange yep. for Caleb Jones and a third round pick. And 
word is that or, or no, it wasn't it wasn't just uh actually I, I'm only reading the original trade. Uh there was an update. Uh, Chicago traded both Duncan Keith and Tim Soderland, who I believe was just basically an AHL player, uh to the Oilers in exchange for Caleb Jones and a third round pick. No salary uh, was retained in the deal. Keith still has two more years remaining on his original 13-year, $72 million contract that he had signed with, uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, last year, he had four goals and 15 points in 54 games for the Blackhawks. And he actually played all 16 seasons of his career with Chicago, collecting 625 points in 1,192 games. He's also a two-time Norris Trophy winner for best for uh, the best defenseman in the league. Uh, but his play has been on the decline in recent years for the Blackhawks, so they're lucky that they even got what they what they did get for him. Uh, Caleb Jones, he registered four assists uh, in 33 games for the Oilers last year. 24 years old, so he still, he still has a couple of years of development. Uh, he does have 19 career points in 93 NHL games. Uh, oh, and there is actually a – there is a uh, – condition on this third round pick which is for 2022 uh the pick can become a second round pick if the oilers win three rounds of the 2022 stanley cup playoffs and if keith ranks top four on the team in uh in on ice time during that span So I think it's safe to say, Lou, that uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have officially entered the rebuilding stage. And I have a feeling that I have a feeling that this is only the first of multiple players that are probably going to be headed out of town. And what what are your thoughts to? well, what are your thoughts when it when it comes uh, to the Blackhawks deciding to cut ties with uh, with their longtime defenseman Duncan Keith? Hmm. Well, with the way they've been the past couple of years, I think maybe it's time. I mean, they're in a rebuilding mode, and Keith is, you know, so I say it has been. So um, I I think it's the I think it's the right move here. Yeah, it really uh just just from from what from what we've been seeing out of him with it, with his with his play declining, you know, it it doesn't really make sense for them to for them to keep him around if he's basically they would have to try and get something for him before he ultimately ends up uh you know, before he he ultimately ends ends up uh, going all the way down to the point where, you know, he he basically won't be worth anything to the team. And considering that amount of money uh, that they're still putting into him, you know, it's 
it's a good it's a good thing that uh, they found, they at least got something for keeps at this point. Uh, now to start off with, hopefully, wait a minute, let me see. Hopefully, I I didn't miss anything, uh, any trades that happened beforehand. Uh, before the no, actually, all, all I'm seeing here first before the whole, or actually no, here we go. Here's one. Uh, the New Jersey Devils they acquired yeah. Ryan Graves from the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for Mikhail uh, Maltsev and a second round pick in this year's uh, NHL draft. Uh, the Avalanche didn't want to lose. Uh, Graves to Seattle in the expansion draft for nothing, and the Devils managed to take advantage and pick up some depth on the back end. And from what it sounds like, Graves will likely be protected by New Jersey uh, as one of the as one of their protections that they'll put for the uh, for the expansion draft. As as far as players that can be picked from or not picked from. Now the interesting thing is I'm hearing that P.K. Subban will be left unprotected. Mm. Wow. So what, what are your thoughts, Lou, with, uh, what, what are your thoughts with, uh, with New Jersey picking up Ryan Graves, uh, <laughs> taking advantage, basically, of Colorado not wanting to lose him in the expansion draft? And now from what it seems like, it's, it seems like uh, – P.K. Subban may be, may be potentially headed out of town. Oh, boy. You know, the Devils have been in sham for quite a while now, so I can say that's good luck. But uh, as far as who they're getting from Colorado, you know, Graves, not really that bad. You know, two goals, 15 points in 54 games last year on the uh, Colorado Blue Line. Uh, Maltsev, generated uh, six goals and three assists in 33 games with New Jersey last year. And he also scored a goal in his only appearance with the, uh, with Binghamton uh, in the AHL. And basically, you know, this is just Colorado didn't want to lose Graves for basically next to nothing. And it's actually a pretty solid deal in my opinion. Because it's it's very likely, considering uh, the fact that c- considering who Seattle has on their on their coaching staff, with uh, Jay Leach being one of the one of the pickups uh, as being an assistant, he was of course the head coach of the Providence Bruins for the past two years, and one of his. One of his things has always been about developing young players, and Graves could have potentially been one of those uh, one of those picks that he would be uh, that he would be focusing in on. So now, with Graves joining the New Jersey Devils, it looks like he's more than likely going to be protected uh, in the expansion draft. But speaking yeah. of protections, speaking of protections, here's or actually here's two. Uh, 
surprise, uh, surprise, uh, how should I put it? Surprise omissions from protections. The Montreal Canadiens have decided to protect Jake Allen instead of Carey Price. And the, the St. Louis Blues have decided to protect Ivan, or not Ivan Provorov. Uh, they decided to expose Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. To the expansion draft instead of potentially trading him away to at least get something for him. Now it's entirely likely, and they protected Ivan Barbashev. That's who it was, not Ivan Provorov. It's Ivan Barbashev that the Blues protected. And yet they've exposed Vladimir Tarasenko which is mind-boggling. I mean, I guess you could say, okay, maybe maybe Seattle won't take him because of, you know, because of his contract. But Tarasenko is, is the type of star player that even if you only have him for a couple of years, that's the kind of guy that you can actually get fans that that you can actually draw fans to your arena with. So I don't understand what St. Louis is doing here because they could probably fetch quite a price for him, but instead they've decided, no, we're just, you know, we're just going to, uh, we're going to expose him and potentially lose him for nothing. Uh, what are what are your thoughts, Lou? First on Carey Price being exposed, uh, but also uh, Tarasenko now being exposed to potentially being picked in the draft. Yeah. It's kind of surprising. I mean, Carey Price has done wonders for Montreal, and you know it's going to come down to this. Uh, is there something wrong in this picture? Am I the only one who thinks this? I mean, you're really going to protect Jake Allen over Terry yeah. Price? Jake Allen, who got who, who washed out of St. Louis and went 11-11 and 1 this year. I mean, I guess apparently it's because he has a favorable contract and and Montreal would like to keep it that way for a backup goaltender, but seriously, it it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me at all why they would uh, and by the way, uh, Carey Price had to had to waive his no movement clause in order to be uh, exposed to the uh, to the expansion draft for this. Now I guess they're probably thinking that okay you know because of Price's contract you know Seattle might be discouraged from from taking him especially if they end up grabbing Tarasenko potentially, you know, they may be, uh, they may decide to take somebody else. But honestly, I think, you know, this is almost the same thing as the uh, Marc-Andre Fleury situation when Marc-Andre Fleury was taken by uh, Vegas in the expansion draft. 
you're going to want solid goaltending. I know Chris Dreger is already being targeted. Uh, Dreger of the uh, Florida Panthers is being targeted as one of the goaltenders that they're going to take in the expansion draft. But honestly, I would probably take Carey Price if he's there. If he's eligible to be taken. I know, I know Jonathan Drouin apparently is going to be an option as well uh, from from Montreal that they're going to expose, but I think, honestly, it would be a no-brainer. If Carey Price is out there, how do you not take him? Because he, he would easily I mean, easily he would be the number one, the number one goaltender of your club, and the fact that he already just took Montreal to the Stanley Cup Finals this year. And he has that playoff experience. It just doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. No, really not. Uh... One other thing before we get into the trades that happened today, Pierre Maguire, after, after losing his job because of the fact that NBC no longer has the NHL license, uh, he has now been named the Senior Vice President of Player Development for the Ottawa Senators. As if Ottawa wasn't a dumpster fire enough, they hire Pierre Maguire. Could be worse if you go for the uh, Red Wings. True. Actually, wasn't he formerly or the Sabres with the Red Wings? No, what wasn't he formerly with the Red Wings though? Yes. Or was it Pittsburgh that he was with? Oh wait, I think you're right. I think it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, actually, no. Yeah, it says here he scouted and coached as well as served in upper management earlier in his career. Uh, with both Pittsburgh and the Hartford Whalers. So, I I mean, at least we don't have to hear him every uh, every week as a hockey analyst, I guess. That's true. No, that's not going to happen. You know, he wouldn't go for an analyst job. Uh, immediately after signing on as the vice pres as the senior vice president of player development, I just don't see that going. Uh, I don't see that happening. Hmm. Okay. All right. Now on to the trades. Uh, speaking of the Red Wings, the uh, well, let's just say Lou Ramarello was uh, pretty busy. Uh, the past uh, the past couple of days, as the Detroit Red Wings acquired Nick Letty from the New York Islanders in exchange for Richard Panique and a 2021 second round draft pick. Uh, Letty had two goals and 20 or two goals and 31 points in 56 games with the Islanders this year, while averaging 21 minutes and 35 seconds of ice time. Um, he's entering the final season of his of his uh, deal, and he will come with a five point five million dollar cap hit. I mean, that's pretty steep 
but whoa. Okay, hang on a second here. Uh, so we have a situation going on at National Park, at Nationals Park in Washington. A shooting apparently has been reported outside of a third base gate at Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. Uh, fans are encouraged to exit the ballpark via the center field and right field gates at this time. Uh, fans are apparently running onto the field and into both dugouts for shelter. What the hell is going on in this world? I don't know. In particular, in particular in the United States, uh, it says players, including Fernando Tatis Jr., just ran into the stands and grabbed family members and brought them into their clubhouse. Um, and actually, yeah, it said the shooting apparently just occurred outside of the left field gate on S Cap Street or South Cap Street uh, in Washington. And I don't know what the update is here if there's if it's been handled or what, but apparently uh yeah, the game is delayed right now and fans are literally running uh looks like that's yeah apparently uh the ballpark is emptying from what it sounds like here from i mean i'm i'm looking at a whole bunch of different videos uh that are being taken around the ballpark serving when uh, we talked, you know, we talked about this last week as well. That there were supposedly, you know, there were supposedly uh, weapons, dozens of uh, dozens of armed rifles that were confiscated from a uh, hotel room. Uh, four, you know, four suspects ended up being arrested. This was in, this was in Denver, Colorado. You know, uh, at a hotel that was not far from uh from the home of the Colorado Rockies you know where the all-star game was and you know hearing that that something like that happened and now now we have this taking place in Washington it's it's really troubling to hear when you think about it, Lou, because, you know, now you kind of have to, you know, you have to wonder, was this a targeted thing? Was this just an isolated random incident that just happened to be outside of Nationals Park? Or, you know, was this person targeting somebody inside the, inside the stadium? I, what, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Very scary situation here. I mean, this. I mean, but what's going on? Like you said. I mean, I, you can't even get a can't even go to a baseball game anymore now with this. 
No, you can't. But so far, no one's even um, mentioning it. You know, the, the games are still going on everywhere else, and they're not even uh, mentioning it. As far as I know. Yeah, no, it's it's really weird that uh, you know MLB Network hasn't even brought this up. It's literally it's o- only the reporters that are actually at the park are bringing this up right now. Like it hasn't even brought, been brought up by ESPN yet. And from all from all indications. It, it sounds like fans are uh, fans are being told to evacuate the area. So, you know, who knows if this is uh, if the if the the game will continue until whatever, of course, whatever situation uh, is happening right now ends up getting under control. But. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to find uh, an update here to stay updated, but it, from all indications, it looks like, it just looks like right now that, uh, you know, they're basically evacuating. Uh, I know the, from from what I, from what I saw video wise, the, uh, the umpire's, have uh, have all left the field. Oh wait, no. It says here that fans are being told to remain inside the stadium. However, they have the game, as the players have already uh, the players have already left the field. They've gone back into their dugouts, uh, and. From what it says here, fire trucks and ambulances are driving uh, are, are arriving outside of Nationals Park. Police cars swarming a few blocks up the, a few blocks up the way. It's it's a scary situation right now, and it it yeah. does say it is confirmed at least it is confirmed at least one person was just shot outside of National uh, outside oh, of National boy. Park. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at a whole bunch of uh, at a whole bunch of video right now on Twitter of different different areas of the uh, of the ballpark. I mean, they're literally taking uh, at, at one of the bars. They're literally taking the tables. They're they're some people are hiding behind the bar. Some people toppled tables over to hide behind. I, it's it's a very very scary situation right now, uh, and actually it says here that you can uh, on the official broadcast uh, you can actually hear the gunshots as the broadcast cuts away. I don't think I want to. Oh no, I'm not I'm not actually listening to it right now. But it says uh, that's okay. what it, that's what somebody on Twitter has said. Um, that you can apparently hear the hear the shots in the background as the broadcast, uh, you know, okay. cuts to commercial like they were like they were originally going to do, anyways. Um, right. But obviously, you know, I will I will keep an eye on this situation, and when 
when there are um, uh, some updates. Okay, I gotta I gotta run anyway, Steve. It's uh, that time, so I'll try and get back to you as soon as I can. All right, Luke. I'll I'll, uh, I'll keep an eye out. And there is an update here. It does say the game will not continue tonight. Uh, it is not clear though what the next step is currently uh, for national uh, for the Washington Nationals game against the San Diego Padres. Uh, this game was taking place, it looks like it was, they, I think they had just finished, uh, the top or the bottom of the sixth. Scary, scary situation. Uh, sorry, I'm talking with uh, talking with one of uh, one of our members in Sports Whispers, uh, Tim Gross, who uh, often calls into the uh, to the Survivor podcast um, about this situation here. Uh, like I said, you know, if there's any updates, I will provide it as I can get a hold of them. Uh, but let me talk. Uh, we're going to get back to uh, to the NHL in a little bit here. Uh, hopefully, once Lou uh, once Lou uh, comes back in. Uh, but let's go over to Money in the Bank for WWE. The Money in the Bank obviously is set to take place tomorrow night. The first pay per view since WrestleMania where there are going to actually be fans inside the, uh, you know, inside in the arena. And I got to tell you, watching SmackDown last night, uh, it is a drastic difference having fans in, inside the arena uh, as opposed to just seeing them on LED boards surrounding, surrounding the ring. You know, it's, there was a definite difference uh, when it came to what you saw on TV uh, for, uh, you know, for the on-air product. And, I mean, you know, the wrestlers, they feed off of the fans. So it was definitely a different atmosphere last night on SmackDown. And I would really expect there to be a dif- uh, a difference for money in the bank here. Uh, there's been rumors that the WWE is looking to pull off a couple of surprises uh, to commemorate the return of fans for the first time in almost a year and a half. Uh, ever, you know, ever since we've been dealing with the with this pandemic, you know, WWE they did uh, transition to. shows where there were no fans in the arena and actually last year's Wrestlemania you know was the first Wrestlemania to never have any fan to not have any fans and actually I believe that's when they shut down they they shut down uh you know large-scale gatherings I believe shortly before Wrestlemania uh was set to happen a matter of fact, it may have been a week or two, I think, uh, that they b- before that they uh, that they had shut it down. Uh, the WWE, you know, it'll be the first pay per view 
that they will have that they will have fans back since WrestleMania a couple a couple months ago. Uh, and we have seven matches on the card, including two Money in the Bank matches, uh, one for the men's contract, one for the women's contract. And we also have a couple of title matches as well on the card. Uh, the pre-show, we will have the Mysterio family, Ray Mysterio and his son Dominic, uh, defending their SmackDown tag team titles against uh, against the Usos as the Usos look to add another tag team title reign to their already decorated uh, resume. We also, uh, we, we, for the men's Money in the Bank, we have Ricochet taking on John Morrison, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, or fans know him as Shinsuke Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. Uh, the women's Money in the Bank match we have Asuka taking on Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross or I guess she now goes by Nikki ASH, almost a superhero, I guess you can you can sort of define it because she's this this it's this weird superhero gimmick that she's going through. I, I have no idea. Uh they also will take on Liv Morgan, Zelina Vega, Natalia and Tamina or the chance to become the women's money in the bank holder. Uh, for championship matches, we also have Bobby Lashley defending his title against Kofi Kingston with Xavier Woods at ringside. And, of course, MVP will be with Bobby Lashley. We got Rhea Ripley defending her Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. Uh, Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman will defend his Universal Championship against Edge. Uh, Edge finally gets his one-on-one title match uh, that he was supposed to have gotten for winning the Royal Rumble, but for some reason, they ended up uh, switching it into a triple threat match for WrestleMania. Uh, And we also have AJ Styles and Omos defending their Raw Tag Team Championships against the Viking Raiders in what's sure to be uh, quite the interesting match up there. Uh, but running down the line, so Ray and Dominic Mysterio against the Usos. I mean, one of the one of the big storylines, obviously, with the Usos and Roman Reigns is Roman has always wanted his family to be draped in championship gold. Uh, for Roman, obviously, to have the world title and the Usos to eventually get the tag team titles. I assume that they're probably going to do it here. Uh, they'll take the titles off of Ray and Dominic. Uh, simply because I, I just got to have this feeling that Roman may potentially get involved in this uh, in this matchup, especially considering how Ray and Dominic were or have been dominated by Roman Reigns uh, in this program for most of the most of the the clashes that they've had against each other. Uh, I would assume, even though Jimmy Uso got busted for uh, for a DUI again, uh, WWE apparently doesn't care about that. If it, uh, especially if the result would mean having to having to uh, ruin a potential storyline that they're dealing with, so 
hell, why why not just go about it like nothing ever even happened? So with that being said, you know, I would expect that WWE is probably going to put the titles on the Usos at this point because it's clear, you know, that they just, unless it, unless it's going to further uh, their program and maybe push, uh, you know, their feud with the Mysterios for maybe one more pay-per-view before, uh, actually, no, I don't think there's another pay-per-view before SummerSlam. I think SummerSlam is the next one. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, the SummerSlam being the next pay-per-view, maybe they hold off on it and they have the Usos win at SummerSlam because usually the title match wins end up taking place at SummerSlam with SummerSlam being treated as the second WrestleMania, essentially, uh, in the yearly cycle. So I could kind of see that potentially happening, so maybe Dominic and Ray will retain, but I would expect that the Usos will probably uh, will probably take this one, either winning the titles outright, or maybe they win by, uh, or maybe Dominic and uh, Ray win by disqualification or something like that. Now the men's Money in the Bank. Uh, match here. This is basically going to be a spot fest. I mean, let's face it. You have high flyers like Ricochet, John Morrison, Matt Riddle, uh, Kevin Owens. I, you know, you can consider Kevin Owens a high flyer. Uh, they're pretty much in there just for the spots. Maybe, maybe throw in Shinsuke Nakamura in there as well. Uh, really, my only contenders for this match, and honestly, I'll be surprised if it if it isn't one of these three. Uh, is Drew McIntyre, Big E, and Seth Rollins. I don't think it'll be Drew McIntyre because he has this thing going on with Jinder Mahal. Jinder, considering Drew McIntyre, quote-unquote, destroyed or, or wrecked his, uh, his prized motorcycle on Raw this past week, there's probably going to be revenge that's going to take place. Uh, and Gender, I don't, I don't know what bigger revenge would be, other than, uh, you know, uh, uh, other than him costing McIntyre the, uh, you know, his uh, his chance at the uh, at the Money in the Bank briefcase. So that's you can pretty much eliminate Drew McIntyre there, which leaves Biggie and Seth Rollins. Rollins is involved, obviously, with Cesaro, and with Cesaro not being on the card, he's probably going to get involved in this as well. And if they put if they put the briefcase on Big E, it'll make sense because it seems like they've been grooming Big E to have a huge singles push. I mean, he has already held the Intercontinental title uh, ever since. You know, ever since ever since splitting off from the new day, so I would expect that they're probably going to continue this push. And the next way to do so would be for him to win the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then, whenever they decide to pull the trigger on him, 
as a world champion because, you know, WWE is about good press and Big E is a merchandise seller. Uh, it's entirely possible that they may hate, they may elevate him to being a world champion at some point. And I think the best way to do that is by giving him the money in the bank briefcase win here. And plus Seth Rollins doesn't really need it anyways. Uh, considering he is a former Money in the Bank briefcase winner anyways. Uh, Asuka, for the women's uh, championship match, really the one the one person that has the most momentum so far is Alexa Bliss. So I would expect that considering they're going full steam ahead with her, uh, with her gimmick, uh, maybe perhaps we see her little doll involved in this matchup and we'll probably see some weird things happen. Uh, I would assume that maybe it'll come down to Alexa bliss and Nikki and bliss ends up, uh, ends up winning the contract. I would be shocked if it isn't Alexa, especially considering Oscar just had the title. Uh, Naomi, she hasn't even, I mean, she's been dealing with, uh, with a, being in a tag team with Lana. And as far as singles-wise, she hasn't really done anything uh, ever since she originally was women's champion all the way back when. Uh, Liv Morgan, I mean, yeah, they could probably they could possibly push her as a single star, but, you know, it's... I'm just not. I'm just not sure because I said the same thing about Peyton Royce. Peyton Royce, and you know they ended up releasing her. So Zelina Vega. I mean, she did literally just come back, and I have a feeling that maybe perhaps her husband Alistair Black signing with AEW is really leaving a sour taste in WWE's mouth right now. So I wouldn't really count on her getting the uh getting the contract and natalia and tamina they have this thing going on with tegan knox and shotzi blackheart so i wouldn't expect them to get the uh, contract either so you're probably looking at either alexa bliss or nikki or who knows maybe wwe would just say fuck it and throw it on asuka again and asuka you know, gets in, reinserted back into the title picture. Uh, this next matchup, Bobby Lashley defending against Kofi Kingston. Gone are gone is the VIP lounge with uh, Bobby Lashley trying to do his best impersonation of Triple H in uh, Evolution with uh, Ric Flair or MVP at his, uh, at his side. So it looks like we're finally back to the monster, Bobby Lashley. Like it's, it was supposed to have been this entire time. And with Lashley's next rumored opponent being Goldberg, God, I hope that's wrong. I really hope that's wrong. Uh, I really think he's probably going to make short work of Kofi Kingston. I wouldn't be shocked if this is one of the first couple of matches, honestly, that's on the, that's on the card uh, for tomorrow night on, by the way, on the uh, Peacock app that, uh, 
WWE uh, WWE Money in the Bank will be held on. I mean, Co- you know, Kofi winning the title at WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan a couple of years ago was good and all, but I mean, can you realistically see Kofi Kingston them putting Kofi Kingston over somebody as jacked as Bobby Lashley? I honestly don't. And you know, Kofi still has the new day thing going on with Xavier Woods, you know, they're still in the tag team division. I don't really see them putting Kofi over Lashley. I mean, it would be a gigantic shock for them to do this, and maybe perhaps, I mean, there is one way that this could go down. You know, maybe if Big E wins the, wins the uh, Money in the Bank contract and cashes in on Kofi Kingston, if Kofi, you know, shocks the world and beats Lashley, uh, Big E cashes in on Kingston, ends up winning, and then that sets up uh, that sets up a feud between Big E and Kofi. I don't really see them going that route though, because the New Day is still one of the hottest acts that the company has, even if they're split up. So I just, yeah, I just, I just, I can't see them going that route, and I don't think they will. So it's probably going to be Bobby Lashley uh, in probably not that long of a match. Uh, a update, by the way, for the NBA Finals at the half, the Milwaukee Bucks lead the Phoenix Suns 64-61 to in uh, Game 5 with, with the series tied up at two games apiece. So the comeback... For Giannis Antetokounmpo with his injured MCL is uh, still still rage, still uh, raging on here. Uh, the Raw Women's Championship: Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. It almost seems a, like a foregone conclusion that Charlotte is going to get one step closer to her father. To matching her father's record of 16, uh, 16 championships, or in Charlotte's case, it'll be 10. I mean, if you count NXT, it'll be 12 titles. But, uh, well, this would be her 13th, but it'll be her 11th up on the main roster if she ends up defeating Rhea Ripley. Will she, though? I don't know. I mean, Vince was pretty high on Rhea Ripley. Uh, when she originally was brought up to the main roster. So it's hard to tell because Flair defeated Rhea Ripley at Hell in a Cell by disqualification. So maybe Rhea Ripley gets gets the win back here. And maybe this sets up something for, for SummerSlam where maybe then is when Charlotte wins the title. I don't know what they'll do uh, when it comes to when it comes to this, but I would assume that it's probably going to be Rhea Ripley taking the win, and then maybe Charlotte wins at SummerSlam. 
Uh, Roman Reigns against Edge. I would love to see Edge get the, uh, you know, get a uh, another world title reign for the first time in nearly a decade. But I, I honestly just don't see it happening. So I think Roman is probably going to hold this title until WrestleMania when he gets in this. Uh, the rumor is it's going to be Roman Reigns against The Rock for uh, – for not just the title, but also the title of the tribe chief, you know, being the head of the the head of the family is it's it, what it seems like. It's this whole entire gimmick is basically building up to, where eventually you have Roman taking on the Rock at WrestleMania. So I would expect that Roman is probably gonna gonna go over here and uh, and beat Edge. But hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, might have had to how odd it was to see fan. You know, Roman is supposed to be a heel. He's supposed to be a bad guy, and the first the first event with with fans back in the arenas for SmackDown last night, and Roman got so many cheers. I mean, it, it's probably the loudest I've seen a heel get cheered in quite a long time. So, you know, if if WWE sees that this gimmick is definitely working with the fan base, they're obviously, you know, they're not going to take the title off them for quite a while. So, I'm expecting that Roman will likely retain here in this uh, scenario. Now the raw tag team titles, uh, AJ Styles and almost against the Viking Raiders, unless they're planning on splitting up styles and almost, I don't see styles and almost losing the titles this, uh, this uh, soon, especially with how they've been booking almost, they've been booking him to be, uh, you know, this unstoppable bodyguard, uh, of AJ Styles, who now just uh, happens to be, you know, his tag team partner now. So I would assume that they're going to keep the titles on AJ Styles and almost here. So we'll see. Uh, going back here to the Nationals uh, story. Like I like I said earlier, uh, it looks like the game will not continue. Uh, all indications are here. Yeah, it, it has been confirmed uh, by the Washington Nationals. They just posted on Twitter about ten minutes ago. Uh, their official statement: Tonight's game has been suspended in the bottom of the sixth inning due to an incident surrounding Nationals Park. The suspended game will resume beginning at 1.05 p.m. Eastern and will be completed as a nine-inning regulation game. Following the conclusion of the suspended game, the regularly scheduled game will begin within 25 to 45 minutes uh, after that and will be played as a nine-inning regulation game. Uh, Tickets and parking passes for the regularly scheduled game may be used for admission to both 
of tomorrow's games. So basically, if you're a fan who went to tonight's game, uh, you're shit out of luck when it comes to potentially returning for tomorrow. So that sucks for Nationals fans, but uh, obviously, you know, the most important thing is making sure everybody's safe, um, especially with everything that happened tonight. And hopefully uh, we don't have a situation like this uh, ever take place. You know, it's – you you kind of have to wonder, are they going to have to are they going to have to deal with uh, with with you know different different protections for for every uh, sports event now? Are they going to have to beef up security, you know, just to hope that something like this to prevent something like this from happening at a uh, sporting event? However, like I said before, you know, it's possible that this may have just been a coincidental uh, shooting that maybe perhaps it just happened to be outside of the stadium, but it wasn't, you know, targeted specifically at anybody in the stadium. It says here that more than two dozen police cars, ambulances, and fire engines we're on the street outside of the third base side of Nationals Park. So whatever situation it was, you know, it's still it I don't even know. It may still be an ongoing situation. There isn't really any updates from what I'm seeing here uh that has uh that has come out here. So I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe perhaps, perhaps maybe they finally found, you know, maybe they finally found that person, whoever it was. Uh, They did say, though, that somebody did get shot or, or get shot at, I should say. And we have something else here, apparently, uh, at the Red Sox-Yankee game, apparently a somebody in the stands threw a ball or something at Red Sox outfielder Alex Verdugo, and there was a situ- there's a situation apparently that uh, Verdugo apparently uh, was going at it verbally. Uh, I should add, with the fans, and he actually had to be restrained by uh, not just the not just one of the umpires, but one of the members of the uh, of the Red Sox coaching staff as well. Uh, I mean, seriously, what the hell? What the hell is going on here? And, and it, it says, yeah, it says here that. Uh, a fan or fans in left field threw a baseball at Verdugo, striking him in the lower back. Cora ended up responding by taking his team off the field. Uh, and obviously they returned. They returned to the field afterwards. Uh, but 
I mean, honestly, you know, it's possible that that Finn, I think, could potentially be charged with assault in this case. Because they because I mean, granted, it's a baseball, but still, they first off, hopefully, hopefully they uh, you know they figured out who the guy was that threw it and ejected his ass out of the stadium because you know there's no reason why uh, that should even have taken place. Man, it's just there. There are some weird ass things going on uh, in sports tonight. It kind of make kind of makes you wonder what what's going to happen next, basically, with everything that has gone on in not specifically the world of sports, but in baseball in particular tonight. Uh, a little bit of a programming reminder if you guys are big brother fans and you want to uh you want to hear a recap of sorts of what has happened inside the big brother house you can go to uh com slash missy ae and subscribe to the missy ae podcast uh you'll get access to all of our big brother recaps uh our survivor shows as well as uh we we had a an interview as well with uh, the amazing races hung and chi uh you'll get access to all of our sports whispers weekly podcasts as well um but uh if you if you're not on Blog Talk Radio, you can also subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts by searching Missy AE. And, you know, if you want to become a member of the Whispers groups, you can search for either Survivor Whispers, Big Brother Whispers, or Sports Whispers on Facebook. Uh, request to be added. Uh, you know, a moderator will look uh, will look over your account and uh, – They'll either add or or uh, they'll either add or deny you, depending on. You know, obviously we have had a couple of people in the past that have tried to sneak through uh, with fake accounts, but uh, most of the time, you know, you get added anyways. But yeah, you know, uh, you can you can join in uh, with the discussion in either Survivor, Big Brother, or sports related uh, topics. Uh, as a matter of fact. We have, you know, we 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 have uh, for Big Brother in particular, we have a weekly podcast uh, every Friday night, and we also have uh, live chats and uh, live feed discussions currently going on in Big Brother Whispers. Uh, it's really fun. So, uh, if you guys are fans, you can feel free to uh, to join the Whispers groups. On Facebook. All right. Uh, let us move on here. To we'll go. We'll go back to the NHL. As obviously I, I mentioned uh, previously, we had a trade go down with the Red Wings acquiring uh, Nick Letty from the New York Islanders in exchange for Richard Panique. 
as well as a 2021 uh, second-round draft pick. Uh, Letty had two goals and 31 points in 56 games with the Islanders this year while averaging 21 minutes and 35 seconds of uh, ice time. Obviously, entering the final season of his contract with a $5.5 million cap hit, uh, the Islanders wanted to move him before the expansion draft uh, because there was a good chance that he would end up probably being claimed by Seattle. And, I mean, more than likely they probably would have. Uh, now that he's in Detroit, he'll likely be the team's top defenseman next season. And the Islanders are giving up a great defenseman in this deal. Uh, but he did only have one more year left on the deal, and they might have lost him uh, anyways. Uh, he had four goals and 13 points in 48 games last season. He comes with a $2.75 million cap hit for each of the next two seasons, but the Red Wings will be retaining half of that cap burden, uh, so he'll likely serve as a bottom six forward with the Islanders. Although, I mean, quite frankly, you know, he's pretty much been, he, he's pretty much been a, uh, you know, he's pretty much been a bottom six forward for most of his NHL career anyway. So, uh, he will basically be that probably now for the Islanders. I'm kind of wondering if maybe this is the Islanders preparing to potentially lose Casey Sezikis to free agency. That's a possibility because uh, I know his contract is up, and he'll be entering he'll be entering unrestricted free agency uh, this year. However. The Islanders were not done there as they sent out Andrew Ladd as well as a second-round pick this year, a conditional second-round pick next year, and a conditional third-round pick in 2023 uh, to the Arizona Coyotes along with Andrew Ladd. Uh, and the Islanders didn't get anything in return, basically, except for, uh, except for cap relief. As Vlad comes with a $5.5 million cap hit for each of the next couple of seasons. Uh, But he did fall out of favor with the Islanders to the point where he only played in four NHL games in the 2019-2020 season. And he didn't play at all at the NHL level last season. Uh, So this was basically the price that Lou Lamorello had to pay in order to get rid of a of a costly contract that uh you know for a player that probably wasn't going to be seeing any sort of any sort of playing time at the NHL level you know anytime soon so this was this was the way to do it pretty much uh moving on to the next trade, the Vegas Golden Knights, they got Brett Howden from the New York Rangers in exchange for a 2022 fourth-round pick, as well as Nick DeSimone. Uh, 
Howden had a goal and seven points in 42 games last year. He signed a one-year $885,000 contract for the 2021-2022 campaign. Uh, Simone had 11 assists in 22 AHL games last season. Uh, he will be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Vegas included him in the deal in order to be compliant on their reserve list. The Rangers weren't done, though, as they also acquired Barclay Goodrow from the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for a 2022 seventh-round pick. Goodrow has six goals and 20 points in 55 regular season games this year. Uh, He also scored two goals and six points in the uh, playoffs this year as well. He is set to become an unrestricted free agent, and uh, indications are that the Rangers are on the verge of agreeing to a deal with Goodrow uh, before free agency begins. So it's possible that he may not uh, he not he may not be looking for a contract for long. Basically, uh, then there was a massive three-team trade that went down earlier today. Uh, Really complicated here, but let me see if I can get the gist of it. So, basically, this started out with Philadelphia trading uh, forward Nolan Patrick to the Vegas Golden Knights. And Vegas then... Wait. Okay, hang on. I'm trying. Here's basically how it how it pans out here. So, Ryan Ellis was traded from the Nashville Predators to the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for Nolan Patrick. Patrick was then flipped over to Vegas, and. This sent Philippe Myers over to Nashville, as well as Cody Glass to Nashville as part of this deal. So basically, the trade goes as follows. Nashville, they get Cody Glass and Philippe Myers. Nolan Patrick goes to Vegas, and Philadelphia gets Ryan Ellis. Uh, Ellis was limited to five goals and 18 points in 35 games last year, but he is still a a good top-pairing defenseman. Uh, Now he joins Ivan Provorov and Travis Sanheim as the Flyers' three top defensive defensive players uh, on their defense. Myers had a goal and 11 points in 44 contests this year. Uh, He is a step down from Ellis, but he's also significantly younger and comes with a much better cap hit, as his cap hit is only 2.55 mil for each of the next two seasons, while Ellis is entering the third year of his eight-year $50 million contract. Uh, Cody Glass had four goals and 10 points in 27 games with Vegas this year. He was originally taken with the sixth overall pick in the 2017 NHL entry draft, but he never earned much of a role uh, with the Golden Knights on their, uh, on their main roster. However, there is a decent chance that he probably get a better opportunity in Nashville. 
And he does hold the distinction as well as being the first player ever drafted in Golden Knights history. So that is, that, you know, that's something he can take with him. Um, but, yeah, this deal was was clearly the biggest deal of the day. Uh, we did also have a couple of other deals. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they traded Jared McCann to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Philip Hallander and a seventh-round pick. Hallander had 13 goals and 24 points in 51 Swedish League games last season. Uh, the Penguins originally took him in the uh, second round of the 2018 NHL entry draft, but they dealt him to Toronto as part of the Kasperi Kapanen trade that brought Kapanen to Pittsburgh. Uh, however, Pittsburgh clearly likes him enough that they reacquired him less than a year later uh, in this deal. McCann had 14 goals and 32 points in 43 uh, in 32 points in 43 games last season. Uh, he emerged as a solid top six forward and is still fairly young at 25 years old, but the Penguins were at risk of losing him uh, to Seattle in the expansion draft. McCann comes with a 2.94 mil cap hit next season, and then he can become a restricted free agent. And just a, you know, just a reminder when it comes to, uh, the roster freeze, which, uh, from my understanding, it's until 1 p.m. Thursday. Uh, that counts for all of the current active NHL teams, with the exception of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, the Kraken, they can still agree to deals with certain players or make certain moves, whatever they decide to do. But uh, basically, all of the teams except Seattle are under a roster freeze until Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, they have acquired Jason Dickinson from the Dallas Stars in exchange for a 2021 third-round pick. Uh, Dallas was looking to get something for Dickinson instead of potentially losing him to Seattle in the expansion draft. Uh, he scored seven goals and 15 points in 51 contests this season while averaging 16 minutes and 12 seconds of ice time. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, they have acquired Joseph Coronar and a 2022 second round pick from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for Aiden Hill and a 2022 seventh round pick. Coronar posted a three and five record with a 3.17 goals against average and a 89.9 save percentage in 10 games with San Jose last season. The Coyotes were in danger of losing Hill in the expansion draft, so that's presumably the reason why they made this trade to begin with. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising if Coronar starts uh, the upcoming year in the AHL. Uh, the Sharks' goaltending situation has been dreadful in recent years. Uh, Hill was solid last year with a 9-9-1 record, along with a 2.74 goals against average and a 91.3 save percentage in 19 games. Uh, it does remain to be seen, however, how he'd perform in an expanded role, uh, but he has earned a chance to do more. Uh, so the Sharks will presumably protect Hill, uh, in the expansion draft and will expose goaltender Martin Jones, who uh, 
needless to say, has been pretty dreadful for the Sharks in his uh, San Jose career. Um, some other bits of news here. Merrill Heiskanen has signed an eight-year, $67.6 million contract with the Dallas Stars. Heiskanen was coming off of his entry-level deal, basically his rookie deal. Uh, and although he is just 21 years old and he only has three seasons worth of NHL experience, he's already well-established himself as the Stars' top defenseman. Uh, he has scored 28 goals and 95 points in 205 career games while averaging close to 24 minutes of ice time per game. Uh, long-term contracts always come with a degree of risk, as always, uh, but it wouldn't be surprising, though, if Heiskanen does live up to, uh, to his end of the deal here, considering his talent level. Uh, Brandon Carlo of the Boston Bruins has signed a six-year contract extension uh, worth about an annual cap hit of $4.1 million. Uh, He accounted for three goals, one assist uh, in 27 games last year for the Bruins in an injury-shortened year. Uh, That's the one thing about Carlo. Uh, While he's good on the ice, he just can't – managed to stay healthy for some reason he's been uh he missed pretty much most of the uh nhl playoffs this year and probably was a key reason why the boston bruins fell to the to the islanders in the semifinals because uh, he's a huge part of that of that defensive core and Quite frankly, their defense wasn't the same ever since they ever since they lost him due to injury. However, he is a key piece of that defensive core, and now that he's locked up for the next six years, uh, he'll basically be an unrestricted free agent when he comes uh, when he comes to the end of this deal here. Eric Johnson, apparently uh, of the Colorado Avalanche, has agreed to waive his no movement clause for the Seattle expansion draft as they, the Avalanche won't be required to protect him as a result, and the Kraken probably won't select the blue liner who was just limited to four games last season because of an upper body injury. He also does have a modified no trade clause in his contract, and... Colorado may choose to protect several of their defenders, including Kale McCarr, Devin Tays, and Samuel Girard, uh, leaving, of course, Eric Johnson as probably the one guy they wouldn't really mind losing in this uh, scenario here. The San Jose Sharks might look to trade Kevin LeBanc in the near future. Uh, They're hoping to gain picks for the upcoming NHL draft. So there isn't a lot of time to make a trade if that's their aim uh, for this potential trade. However, they are also hoping to get back some NHL-ready talent in any trades that they do make. Uh, LeBanc isn't the only player that they're willing to move, however, but he is one of the most interesting options considering he did just fall out of his top six role with the Sharks this year and might benefit from a change of scenery as he had 12 goals and 28 points in 55 games this year for the Sharks. Uh, 
his best year was in the 2018-2019 season when he scored 17 goals and 56 points in a full 82-game season for the Sharks. Also, the Philadelphia Flyers will reportedly look to move Jacob Voracek this summer. Uh, Voracek will reportedly be left unprotected in the expansion draft, so Seattle may simply just take him off of Philadelphia's hands. And if they don't, then it's believed that Philadelphia will look for a trade, considering Voracek comes with an $8.25 million cap hit uh, annually for each of the next three years. So that would be a huge, uh, a huge chunk of the Flyers' salary cap taken off of their hands if Voracek is either traded or picked up by Seattle. However, with that being said, that cap hit may be the one thing that keeps him from even getting dealt because there are going to be teams that are probably going to be hesitant to pick up a contract of that, uh, uh, you know, that big considering the fact that teams are going to already prepare for what they're going to do for free agency and considering, considering the amount of, you know, the amount of players or not the amount of players, but uh, considering what the cap hit may potentially, what the salary cap may potentially be this year. uh, You don't know how much room they're going to have. So, It remains to be seen if Voracek will potentially get dealt or if his gigantic uh, cap hit may keep him as a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. By the way, if you're a Suns fan, I feel bad for you right now as it looks like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and and the Milwaukee Bucks have just completely taken over this series as as the as the clock ticks down here uh, towards the end of the third quarter, the Bucks currently have a 98 to 88 lead over the Phoenix Suns, and I got to tell you, I'm liking the Bucks' chances going back to Milwaukee. If they can take five, if they can take Game Five here in Phoenix, I like their chances in Milwaukee. So it looks like it's possible this NBA final could be done. Uh, as soon as, and wow, what a what a perfect time for you to call in for you to call back Thanks. in here, Lou. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, I'm talking about the NBA Finals uh, an NBA Finals update here with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks holding a 10 point lead uh, towards the end of the third quarter, and it really seems like despite the injury that Antetokounmpo had entering the finals here, he really has taken over this series. Yeah. So wait. I, I, you know, there was one, there was one, uh, one killer when he blocked, uh, he did his own version of the LeBron block where he basically went the full, the full length yeah. of the court. And uh, blocked one of the uh, one of the Suns' layup attempts. Does mm, remind me uh, of anything and, uh, anything particular in a like in a championship game or something? Yeah, the uh, what's it called? LeBron, LeBron 
with when the when the Cleveland Cavaliers won uh, over I the Golden State okay, Warriors. Okay, I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking that. I mean, it wasn't a block, but it was actually something else, of more of a steal. When Halifax stole the ball, I dollars. So I was thinking that, like one of those moments that will live in infamy. Well, yeah, that too. You know, it's it's something that it's a moment that you could say defined. Uh, yes. Uh, if if the Milwaukee Bucks do end up hanging on, winning this game and potentially the series. That could be the first one, time the one moment years. that defines the series. Yeah, the first time in 50 years, exactly. Yeah. And by the way, first Lou, uh, 1974. Up, uh, by, by the way, an update on the uh, Washington uh, Nationals game. Yeah. It has been officially suspended. Uh, they will play the right. remainder of the game starting at 105 tomorrow. Um, and actually, people that have tickets for the game afterwards as they're going to play the finale uh, 25 anywhere from 25 to 45 minutes after the suspended game has been completed. So anybody that has tickets, anybody that has tickets to the game afterwards that was supposed to take place tomorrow can actually go to both games. So any basically, from what it sounds like, anybody who had a ticket to tonight's game, it sucks to be you because you're not going to be able to, uh, you're not going to be able to go back and, uh, you know, uh, right. watch the rest of the game basically because of if this. If you want to see that might suck right now, the Mets just might be able to blow a seven nothing lead because Pittsburgh is on its case right now. Base is loaded, one out. Oh my god. Jesus. And who did who did uh who did New York have on the mound tonight? Um well we're in the ninth inning now, so it's uh, hard. they they went to the closer obviously. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's uh Edwin D oh, no wonder why. It's Edwin Diaz, no wonder. <laughs> but seven and ever... Yeah, but you you know it's it's like it's ever since Ever since Edwin Diaz was picked up by the Mets from Seattle, yeah. he hasn't been that same. He hasn't been that same shutdown reliever that uh, that Seattle always ha- always knew him as. Yeah. It it just seems like, with the exception of uh, of Stroman, who they acquired from t- from Toronto, it, it almost yeah. seems like any player. Any player that the Mets that the Mets acquire ends up sucking, yeah. for the most part, with the exception. Oh, this would be the suckiest ever. Sherman. Yeah. And, you know, Lou. Here's here's one thing I can't get. Yes. It's already been crazy enough that we had a shooting take place tonight near a baseball game. Yes. Then. At Yankee Stadium, we had a group of Yankee fans throw a ball or some sort of object at uh, Red Sox left fielder Alex Verdugo, which ended up hitting him in the back, and he tried charging the fans, apparently. Of course. Well, figure it's Yankees, Red Sox, you know something's going to happen. So, am I surprised? I mean, no, no. I mean, it wouldn't be a rivalry game without something taken, without something going down between no. both clubs. I just can't make it, I just can't make it simple, I, like somebody pee on the seat or something. 
although I never expected, though, it would be, you know, I, I never expected it would involve the fans getting involved. It's usually the players uh, well, getting involved. Well, that's probably more than, probably more than a daughter's pottery game, daughter's, daughter's uh, pottery game that might happen up with the fans. Oh, no. Because, you know, those two hate each other as well. Yeah. By the way, Lou, uh, the New York yes. Islanders. You know, before 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 we started uh, talking about the uh, Washington Nationals uh, situation, the New York Islanders. Not only did they uh, did they make that trade earlier today, but they also made a second trade, and this is genius by Lou yes. Lamorello. The fact that he didn't. The fact that he didn't have to give up a first-round pick for this to have for this trade to go through, and you know it's kind of weird because the only thing that New York got in return here in this deal is uh, salary uh, relief, basically. But they traded away Andrew Ladd, who has a $5.5 million cap hit, uh, as well as as well as second-round picks for the next two years, one of them being a conditional second-round pick uh, right. and a conditional, conditional third-round pick in 2023. So he gave up two second-round picks and, and a third-round pick for the Coyotes to take Andrew Ladd and his $5.5 million salary off of, uh, off of their hands. I mean, in all honesty, not having to give up a first-round pick in this deal is a genius move by Lou Lamorello. Oh my goodness! And you know, he, and it's a home run. I don't believe it. The Pirates won the game. Oh my God! On a grand salon. And it was, and it was out of the zone too. It was way out of the zone. Oh my! I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now on the. Uh, on the MLB game day. I'm looking at it right now on the MLB game day uh, app that they have on MLB.com, and that was way out of the zone. Like, holy shit. Stalin. Gary Thor's calling the game. Oh, wow. He's even better. Goodbye, home runs. Wow, I just I, I don't I don't know what to say about that honestly. If you're a Mets fan, you'll throw up. Well, obvi- obviously, yeah. If you're a Mets fan, you'll you you would throw up. Um, but my apologies to my girlfriend. Okay. Well, we do. Sorry, we do guys. Have some finals from. T- we do have some finals from today. Uh, Detroit won nothing over Minnesota. Uh, and Detroit also took the second game uh, of the doubleheader, five to four, over Minnesota. Cleveland with a three-two victory over Oakland. Chicago, the Cubs with a four-two victory over Arizona. Obviously, the Pirates just came with a joke. That came with a final. Oh, a developing story. The Metropolitan Police Department says that four people were shot outside of National Park. Oh, boy. Is what it says here. Unreal. Four people. 
and let me see if I can find any sort of yeah, not, that's, uh, there's no other update except it's uh it wasn't just one person it was it was four people uh that were shot and it doesn't even say if they were in the ballpark or if they were uh if they were outside of the outside of the ballpark i would i would assume considering the shots came from outside it was probably outside but that's the latest update uh that just came over the ESPN app on my phone here uh baltimore with an 8-4 victory over kansas city st louis uh upsetting san francisco 3 to 1 the White Sox absolutely destroyed Houston, ten to one. Tampa Bay gets blanked by uh, Atlanta, nine nothing. So I guess you know that is one consolation for the Red Sox if they end up losing uh, to if they end up losing to the Yankees tonight. Uh, Tampa Bay at least didn't gain any uh, any games on them, uh, and obviously, of course, the. Uh, San Diego game against the Nationals is currently suspended in the bottom of the sixth inning uh, with San Diego holding an 8-4 to four lead. That will resume tomorrow at 1.05 p.m., uh, where then the scheduled game will take place shortly after the game uh, is concluded. Right. And the game between the Texas Rangers and the Toronto Blue Jays was postponed, I believe, due to rain earlier today. Yes, but they did get some good news. And what's that? They're going home. Blue Jays are going home. They got they got the uh, order. They can return to play at Rogers Center at the end of the month. Uh, Steve, I'm here. Okay, yeah. This is was, Jim. You know, Jim. Oh, hello, boss. Yeah, I was just telling I, Steve I, that you know. And and you're Lou, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all of us yeah. are, all of 